Well, good morning, Community Church. We want to welcome everybody online and everybody here this morning to worship our Lord. Why don't we stand to our feet as we get ready? We had a wonderful first service. Holy Spirit showed up. Beautiful time of worship. We know the Holy Spirit wants to go directly right back to that spot again. So let's just close our eyes for a minute. Holy Spirit, we just dwell on you right now. We ask this morning that we come into this time to worship that you would have your way, that you would move in this place, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help all those things that weigh us down on our mind just to begin to fade away right now. And we just give all of our attention to you, to honor you, Lord, to worship you, and to give you praise. In Jesus' name. So let's worship him this morning. So I keep hearing the word redefine. And so I asked the Lord what that meant. And then I saw him walk through the minds and the hearts of people in this room and people that are watching online. And he's walking through your hearts and your minds, the dark spaces, the places that you shut off and you don't let anybody walk into that you don't let anybody know about. He's walking there and he's redefining what those moments mean when you thought that you had no one, that you were all alone. Even if this is right now, if you're thinking that you're all alone, that nobody cares, that nobody's listening, that nobody understands, he's walking through this moment. He's walking through it with you, and he's redefining what it means to come and save you. It's not always taking you out of the moment. Sometimes it's being in the moment with you. Sometimes it's so impossible to climb out of the miry clay, the pit that you found yourself into. Sometimes it's just so hard to get out of that. So he says, I'll come down with you until you're ready until you're ready for me to take you out I'll come down with you and so that's what he's saying this morning I'm with you I am for you I am with you I am for you you said you would serve me and so I am with you I am always with you that word redefined is really important because I was sensing so many in hard times the pressure that's on, whether it's financial or, or health or whatever it is. And, and we've been crying out, God, save me from this. And there's times that he does bust open the prison door. There's times that he does do a jailbreak and get you out. And it's appropriate to pray for deliverance in that. But there's times the testing of your faith produces character. And you're under pressure to do something that he's trying to get done And he doesn't want to release you from it until you're fully cooked. And if you're praying, get me out of here, you're praying the wrong thing. And you end up walking into disappointment because I'm calling out to you, God, and I'm asking you to do it, and you're not doing it. And we start jumping into conclusions. Maybe you don't love me. Maybe you're not even really there. And I believe that the Spirit of the Lord wants to begin to instruct us in the hard places. Here's what I'm doing. Here's how you should be praying right now. He wants to teach us in the moment that we're in. 
and give us the prayers that we should be praying so that it's not our own soul crying out from the pressure going, oh, I wish this was over. But we would start agreeing with his plan and going, if it's time for deliverance, then it's like the children of Israel and they're saying, it's time, God. And like Daniel was praying in Babylon, the time is up. It's time for the people to go free. But if you're in the forge being crafted, that your spirit will start to roll with faith going, yes, God, you're doing a good work. Yes, I'm going to emerge from the fire exactly as you intended. And I agree to stay here because I trust you. So Holy Spirit, we invite you into our hard places right now to show us what you're doing and how we should be praying. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you to deliver. We trust you to forge. We give the results to you because you know what you're doing. I feel like the Holy Spirit's here and I feel like he just wants to pour his oil out on everyone in this room. So I'm gonna encourage you regardless of your circumstance, your situation, let's just sit in his presence or stands in his presence and let him just pour his oil over top of you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Yea, lo, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Now as we were worshiping and as the Lord was challenging us not to be stuck or fearful of the situations we're in. I remembered a story. I remember being at Siffler Mountain with Matt Blacklock, and we'd gotten to the waterfalls, and they were amazing and awesome, but as young guys, that wasn't enough. We turned, and we saw this massive mountain to the left, and we said, that's where we're going to give our attention and our time. We're going to climb this mountain today. So we ventured off to climb this mountain with no gear, no nothing. And we started to climb up and we got up this face and it was a pretty steep face and we were going higher and higher and higher and we were with a few other people and Matt was a little bit behind us. And I got a little higher and a little higher and all of a sudden Matt started yelling at us and he started saying, Chris, Chris. And I'm like, what? He said, I don't know what's going on. My legs are frozen. And he's standing on this cliff hands holding on to the rock and his knees are just beginning to shake and I said well just keep going up there's no other option because you can't go down just keep going up and in that moment he couldn't do a thing and I remember I had to climb around and come down because you couldn't go down you were just going to fall to the ground and I remember coming beside him and just being there and I said what do you want me to do and he said just lead the way take that first step And I remember just taking it one step at a time. And Matt started to take those steps. But there were no other option than to go up. And sometimes that default is we got to go back down. We got to go back to Egypt. But the solution is to get through that valley. That moment. Because at the end of that, there's something there for us. Something amazing. Something beautiful. And sometimes we resent these moments. But God, you know what? I'm going to rejoice in the lessons I like and the lessons that are hard. 
I'm going to rejoice in the moments I get to overcome. And I'm going to share those moments with each person around me. God, would you guide and lead us every step of the way. Let us not get caught in our circumstances. Let us not get stuck in the moments. Let us continue to go forward with you in Jesus' name. Can we say amen to that? Okay, uh, so welcome everybody. So glad to see you. Uh, I'm speaking this morning, and uh, so, uh, so I have some help up with me this morning. Uh, a couple years ago, I spoke about uh, just the different generations, uh, because right now there's so many generations alive. There's more now than there ever has been, and so when I refer to generations, oh, Mel, hi. Um, when I refer to generations, um, I'm talking about they're, 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 there's kind of some grouping. So there's the greatest generation, which is people that were born uh, it, or lived during the World War II. Baby boomers, who everyone came home from the war. Just a bunch of babies. Um, so that's kind of that generation. Um, and then uh, Gen, I feel like I'm missing one, but Gen X. Uh, my generation, millennials, and then Gen Z is, uh, is these guys up here. Um, and we have a lot of incredible uh, teenagers and young adults in this church. Um, and so as I was kind of like spending some time with God recently, uh, I've just been always reminded that it's important to always remind everybody that we are a family. Um, to remind everybody that we are the body of Christ and there's multiple generations in our church family. And I mean the whole entire church, not just this specific church. Um, and I think sometimes, especially for those of us over the age of 25, let's use that as our judgment today, over the age of 25, it's so easy to get caught up in just our life and our stuff that we don't pay attention to what's coming. And this is your wake-up call that there's something coming. And, uh, and so I'm just going to do some teaching today, um, and I'm going to interview these beautiful ladies and gentlemen um, and ask them some questions this morning and, and we'd love for you guys to just to listen in and, uh, and hopefully learn some stuff today. Um, I, I invited them up here because I believe that in a family everyone should have a voice. Uh, from the youngest to oldest, right? And, and like, like when you're making family dinner, you ask everybody what they want and the five-year-old says chocolate, Right? Um, and, 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 the, and the opinions are not always, um, like, you're not going to feed your five-year-old chocolate for supper, hopefully. You might have those days, right, Ricky? Every once in a while, he just got to make it through, the, through supper, and so sometimes. But um, um, I believe that regardless of what the opinion is, everyone needs to have an opinion in the family and to share their voice, because voices matter. Um, and so I, I asked these guys to come up here just... Because they all have a voice, um, and, and a lot of the stuff that comes out of them uh, is, is deep and wise and going to change the world. Um, and so they are up here, and I also want to just for you guys to just see some of the incredible teenagers that are in our church. Um, and so just to start, start with you at the end, lady. Um, well, just uh, if you don't know them, we're, they're going to say their name and their age and, uh, and so if you've known them since they were babies, you're about to feel a little bit older. Um, but uh, uh, just so you, if you don't know them, then they'll introduce themselves. Uh, hi, my name is Heidi, and I'm 16. 
I'm Gabe and I'm 17. Um, my name's Shania and I'm 16. I'm Lyra and I'm 18. I'm Caleb and I'm 16. I'm Isaac and I'm 18. Yeah, so Heidi's birthday's in two weeks. <laughs> so everybody, hey, say happy birthday in two weeks. And Isaac's was last week. And he turned 18. He's not 34. Even though he looks like that. He's, uh, he's in grade 12. You look old, man. <laughs> if I didn't know you. <laughs> we're a family, so we're going to have some fun. Is that okay? Okay. Let's not make this awkward. I'm, uh, I'm going to poke some mindsets this morning. Um, uh, uh, and I'm going to do it in the most loving and gentle way possible. Um, but we're going to have some fun this morning. So just so we're all on the same page, uh, Gen Z, I'm going to give you a few just details uh, about Gen Z. Um, and then I highly encourage all of you, like, go research. Like, go look up on them. Look at statistics, studies. There's a ton of stuff out there. Um, but just so we're on the same page for today, uh, so depending on what study you look at or who's doing the study or whatever, Gen Z, their age group, um, started being born in the late 90s. So roughly 90, and depending on the study, 95 to 99. Um, and then uh, roughly ended between 2010 and 2015. So if you're looking at age right now, Generation Z, I almost said Z because I'm Canadian. Gabe doesn't like that. Um, Gen Z is roughly 23 to years old to about 10 years old. So give or take a few years in that bracket. Um, this generation is technologically and Wi-Fi entitled. Right? They do, the, the smartphone was invented after they were born. Before they were born. Thanks, guys. Uh, it was invented before they were born, so they do not know a world without instant and constant access to the internet and to all the information that that entitles, which you can imagine. Um, their, their culture shifts incredibly fast, right? If any of you are on Instagram or TikTok, you know. Like three weeks after a video, is, a trend happens, it's done. Um, roughly four months before new trends start, um, and their whole entire culture shifts and changes drastically every year. Um, so I, I, I like this description. Can we put that picture up there, uh, Aisha, of Chris? Perfect. So in the 80s, just for the record, he volunteered this picture. Um, so in the, I think it was the 80s, maybe 70s, I'm not sure, there was this particular hairstyle, unfortunately, that lasted way too long. Um, and it is coming back. So, but according to Gen Z culture, we are fortunate enough, thank you Jesus, it should only last for four months. And then they'll move on to something else. Um, so they, it's, things change really, really fast. If rat tails come back, I will cry a lot. Um, so they're, they're a global generation. Think of it like this. They're the most connected generation since the Tower of Babel times, Babel. Um, right? Like, they all speak the same language. Um, they speak digitally, uh, and they're super connected. So a lot of their friends, they would have to travel to see because they're all friends online. Um, so there, which means, which also means that their values 
because um, in, in our days and back in even further back, our values were determined by our community. But now their community is global, um, so their values can actually be determined by a YouTube star who's on the other side of the world. Um, and so that is, that is super important. They're the most uh, multiracial generation ever, uh, and they are uh, the most accepting uh, generation ever. So gender rights and gay marriage is not even a question in their mind for most of them. It's just a fact of life, is that's a right that people are entitled to. Uh, so they're very accepting. And they're the first post-Christian generation ever in North America which means a lot of us, for all of us over the age of 25, the Christian values and morals that we just were trained with or grew up in, that we take for granted, um, don't even, might not even comprehend in, in a teenager's mind. Because they they're, they're, didn't grow up in church, they didn't, you know, their, their value set is different because they might not have been raised with the Christian values that we take for granted. Okay, make sense so far? Perfect. Okay, what is, and I'm throwing this question out to you guys now, what is one of the best things, let's start with you, Heidi, about being a teenager in the world today? Um, for me, it's like the freedom we have as teenagers, um, like being old enough to make decisions and drive and maybe having a side job um, and just not really having a lot of responsibilities. I want that. Um, we'll talk after. You have to talk to your wife. Um, okay, Caleb, what's one of the best things about being a teenager? Um, it would be, for me, technology when it's used properly. Um, when you're not using it for bad and learning about bad things, uh, it can be probably the most effective and best thing to a teenager right now. Yeah. Cool. And then what is one of the most, let's start with you, Lyra, if you're okay. What's one of the most difficult things about being a teenager in the world today? I'd honestly kind of say schooling because in high school, if you're not going in knowing what you want to do and you're planning to go into college and you don't figure it out until you're, like, you're in grade 12 or 11, you can put your schooling behind big time and have to upgrade afterwards and everything. Right. So education is different for sure. Isaac? Uh, trusting the right people and making the right friends. Yeah. We can all make friends, but doesn't mean those friends are going to be good. Yeah. So Gen Z has multiple friends, but no friends, right? And it's very difficult to, to make those connections. Okay, Janaya. Yeah, mine is mostly based off that one too. It's hard to make connections, and I think that's mostly because of the internet, because it's easier to text someone. Um, they're not seeing your face, and so when you're talking face-to-face, -face, um, you'll be more nervous, and it's harder to hold a conversation with someone rather than me talking to someone in the church who's like a millennial. Yeah, because they live on their screens, right? So some of y'all do this too. On our screens all the time. Not engaged uh, in the conversation. And so a lot of Gen Z are just so used to their screens that it's just constant uh, looking at the screen. And Gabe... Uh, what is one of the most difficult things about being a teenager in the world today? Uh, I'd say one of the most difficult things is technology. Because you can receive so much hate on social media that it becomes a problem. Like, if you like the wrong picture on social media, you get tons and tons and tons of messages. And like, that was wrong, that was a bad idea, that was stupid, you're an idiot. Like, I'm, 
I double tapped on my phone. Yeah. That's all I did. That's all I did. So I think learning how to filter who's actually on social media and actually saying that to you because they mean it and they care about you is important. But if they're just saying it to just say it, then you got to learn how to like, okay, that person's not actually saying that. They are just saying it to say it to make themselves feel better. So I think a lot of our hate and our problems come from social media and the technology that we have access to in our pockets like our cell phones. So I think one of the hardest things is technology because you got to learn how to manage it and I guess guard yourself against other people's stupidity. <laughs> Nice. You're preaching next week. Okay, so, so now, now here's, here's, here's why I want to talk about this today and why it's super important. There's two things I want to uh, just kind of highlight. First one is this. When Coca-Cola or another major brand is deciding to make a marketing plan and they are going to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars, who do they study before they do that? Gen Z. Yeah. They do that because tr setting trends and deciding uh, and influencing, they are deciding, let me start again. Gen Z is setting the trends in our culture. They are influencing what culture, cultural norms look like, right? If you want to know what the future is going to look like, watch what teenagers do, watch what they spend their money in, on, and watch what they, what they talk about. And because whether we like it or not, the future is coming and we have to be watching this is super important for all of us over the age of 25. We have to be watching and we have to be ready and we have to be listening to what God is telling us to do um, because otherwise we're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. This is a disruptive generation and we cannot do things how we've always done them. I will, like, honestly, just a personal, is my personal opinion, I will honestly be shocked if in 10 years we do church how we do church now. Um, I don't think even in like 10 years, church will be, we come together on a Sunday morning, uh, we, we worship together, and uh, we listen to someone speak to us, and then we go home. I think it is going to look much, much different, even in, in 5, 10 years of how we do church. Um, in, 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 and this is important, because in First Chronicles in chapter 12, um, there's, there's this, this story of how it's kind of describing uh, all the men that were defecting from King Saul to, to David um, in, in Chronicles. And there's this verse in there that I love, and it says, From the tribe of Issachar there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. I very truly believe we're in that season. Right? That is where we are now, and that's where we're headed. There is so much going on, the, on in the world today, and we need to be people that always use wisdom to tap into God's plans to help guide this generation and the generations that are coming. The second reason I want to highlight why it's so important to understand Gen Z is because uh, everybody put your hand up nice and high. If you can't do it, that's okay. Are you guys everybody? Um, okay, so now, now this might be a little sensitive and some people don't like talking about it, but the reality is that everyone with their hand raised at some point in the next hundred years is going to die, right? That's just, that's the reality. <laughs> These guys might, Gen Z might be okay based on medical technology and how it's advancing. However, most of us at some point, as far as I know, might 
be dead. <laughs> and, and here's the question. Who is going to be influencing the world for Jesus in 100 years? This generation. What they do in this next 10 years is going to influence for the next 100. Um, they're going to influence the next 25 years. They're going to influence the next 10 years and what that looks like. So this morning, what I really want to do is kind of give everyone like an, a 10,000-foot a, a view into a couple parts about Gen Z, um, just so hopefully we can all leave a little bit more knowledgeable, a little bit more understanding, and actually, you know, even be praying into a lot of this stuff of what that looks like for you in this season of life. So the first area that I kind of want to talk about with these guys is trust, choices, and influence. So I'm going to ask, let's, let's ask you all. Uh, what are some of the top things or people that influence your choices and the decisions that you make? Um, for me, my first one is definitely my parents. Um, and second would probably be my best friend, Janiah, or like friends. And then I feel like social norms have a lot of play on your decision making, like little decisions, like clothing choice and what you talk about at school and stuff like that. For me, it would definitely be my girlfriend as number one. Um, friends like Paul and Mike and some other school friends that I have um, then my parents last because they're a little lower on the list <laughs> uh, yeah mine would definitely be my friends because they're outside my home because I don't know and then my siblings uh, I trust them more than my parents <laughs> they, they can't get me in trouble and then of course my parents <laughs> I'd probably say youth First, um, the youth pastors or leaders, and school counselors, and then friends. Not in specific order, but well, parents. Parents, parents, parents. Uh, For me, it'd be parents is number one. Talk to them about everything. YouTube is number two, because you get tons of tutorials there. And just funny people. And then leaders and mentors. I'm going to say a little bit more if that's okay with you. Sure. Um, Number one is knowledge of knowing what's good and bad, whether that's knowledge from parents or mentors, friends or books. Uh, being open to wisdom from our elders will definitely help make good choices because they've gone through more stuff than us. Doesn't mean it's the same exact thing, but it'll help in some way. Uh, the trust in myself that I'll make the right choices. If you don't have trust, then you're gonna make the wrong choice. And lots of time for me, motivational videos on YouTube will help make good choices. There's a talk from Matthew McConaughey and it's 45 minutes long, but it's really good teaching because he's gone trips to help his spiritual life just being alone in the wilderness. And that helps him out. Yeah, so, so these teens up here are a little bit out of the norm for their generation. Um, the fact that uh, they all said parents is actually not normal for Gen Z. Um, it's usually further down on the list. It's normally YouTube and their friends are usually the top two. Uh, social media and friends is normally up in the top. Um, so these guys are all from pretty solid families. And so um, when they sent me the list, that made sense when I thought about their families. But to be honest, like in reality, most, fam most teenagers get most of their influence from YouTube and friends. Um, and so that's important to know. <clears throat> um, now, there's so many conversations that are happening in our world today. And who is influencing their decision making is an important topic to talk about. Um, because there's so many conversations, you know, abortion, religion, politics, gender, racism, COVID, all these conversations are happening and they have to make decisions about these topics. And so it is so important to understand where their influence is coming from. 
For most of us that are over the age of 25, here's, here's what happens when we talk about a conversation or when we need to have a conversation about a topic is, uh, is we look at the issue through our filters of how we were raised, our parents' influence. A lot of us, uh, you know, as Christians, we use that as one of our main filters of how to look at an issue. And then we usually come to the conclusion where there's two sides to the issue, right? There's, especially as a Christian, uh, there's right and then there's wrong. There's usually only two uh, two sides to the issue uh, for a lot of us that are over the age of 25. And then what we do, and this is not good or bad, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good, uh, but, but sometimes it's just the thing, is what we do is we surround ourselves with people who believe the same thing we do. I'm going to poke some mindsets. We surround ourselves with people who believe the same thing we do. We read articles that prove why we're right about the topic, and we read the headlines on social media and only share those ones that prove that we're right. Right? And so we kind of get our opinion about a topic, and then that's the right one, and then we, we do everything possible to, to agree with what our opinion is on a certain topic. Does that make sense? And then, <laughs> I'll throw this out there. So if I offend anyone today, I love you. And then as Christians, we find Bible verses to support our opinion. Right? Well, this story in this chapter proves what I feel so that's the one I'm only going to look at rather than looking at the big picture. And I say that with all the love <laughs> that my heart has to muster. And here's why that's important, because this generation is the most accepting generation, and they value that everyone is different, every situation is unique. And with them, there are not two sides to the issue. As whether we like it or not, whether we agree with it or not, in the last decade, the world has become very gray. And, and that's not a, oh man, we got to rise up and, and take back the world. That's just a, this is the reality of where culture and the world is going. And it's actually, there's, there's some bad to it, but there's actually a lot of good that can come out of it if we accept it and realize it and become the tribe of Issachar and see where we need to be going. Um, and so uh, uh, I want to make this one point. God's truth is black and white. The Bible is black and white. There are parts in it that are weird, right? If you don't know how to filter the information, right? Which is very important for this generation. Gabe even mentioned that, right? If a teenager who has never read the Bible, has no Christian upbringing, reads uh, Leviticus, there's going to be some problems, Right? Um, and so God's truth is black and white. And I'm not suggesting we should question that. But what I am suggesting is that culture around us is changing. And as Christians, Jesus told us to reach the world. And so we actually have to be willing to shift how we reach the world. Right? I, was, I made the joke earlier. If Chris, or if someone came to me and told me that the church should put on a production of Heaven Gates and Hell's Flames to reach our community. Hopefully everyone remembers that. That's where Chris got saved. That's why I threw this in here. Chris and I would tell them, would tell them, right, the 80s are over, and that's not the most effective way to reach our community in 2021, right? It worked back in the 80s, for the most part, um, to reach people, right? Chris is here because of what, how people evangelized in the 80s, um, and, and we're super grateful for that. Um, but 
if we try to use heaven's gates and hell's flames now, it's not going to work. The culture has changed, and there are conversations that are happening that we honestly, we can't approach with black and white. Um, and if we want the next generation to influence the world, and we, want to, and we want to influence the world, that means we have to be willing to enter those gray conversations. We have to get messy. We have to learn. We have to grow. We have to challenge ourselves to listen and to learn. And the great thing about gray conversations is this is that you have to know what you believe. It can't be built on sand. Because if you say, you know, abortion's wrong, and a teenager questions you on that, and you can't say why, other than because the Bible says, and I'm going to get to that in a bit, you've already lost the conversation, and there's now a wall between you and that, and you've lost out on that relationship. And so it's so important, it's so important that we actually understand why we believe things, and we can explain why we believe things. It's really, really important, with it, especially with the younger generation. And that skill of knowing what you believe and why it's important is super important. Um, so I'm going to throw it out to you guys, and just to talk about influence and stuff like that. So if someone you didn't know really well started giving you advice about a problem that you were having, what would you think or how would you respond to that person that you didn't know very well? Um, for me, it'd be really hard to open up to someone I didn't really know. Um, because for me, it takes a lot to trust someone and to share my problems with them. Um, because I've actually made mistakes in the past about who to trust. So, yeah, it really takes relationship for me to trust someone and tell my problems to. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't open up to them. Yeah, so Gen Z needs trust and they need to know that you care about them before they will open up and let you talk into those situations. And so, just to ask you the second question, now, me and you, I have a, I have a really good relationship with everybody up here, um, because I've, you know, been their friend and youth pastor for years. Um, so, uh, 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 if, if you were having a problem and I was giving you advice, um, how would you, what would you think or how would you respond, and how would that be different? Um, it'd be different because I really trust Paul, and I know that his advice has worked in the past, and he really knows me well, and I know that our relationship is strong, so I can really trust him with his advice. Yeah. Sweet. Gabe? Yeah, if you don't know the person and they're giving you advice, how would you respond? So I would take into consideration what they're saying, but I'm not necessarily going to apply that to my situation. So if I come to them with a problem and they just and they start going off and they're just like, yeah, this is what the Bible says, this is how you do it, I'm going to be like, okay, I, I get that, but like, how am I going to use that? I don't, I don't know. So, for me, it's all about, like, if you can show me that's working for you, like, with Chris, for example, he got, what is it, Hell's... hell's Heaven's Lord. Gates, Hell's Flames. Yeah, whatever that was. That worked for him, but other people, it didn't work, right? So, for me, if you can show me what you're talking about has, like... Yeah, that's exactly... Validity. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> if you can show me that has validity, then I'm more likely to trust you. But if you just come up and just start saying things without any, like, backup to your argument, then I'm going to be like, okay, yeah, I get that, but I'm not going to listen to you at all. Like, this just flew right over my head. Okay, bye. I'm going to walk over to Paul, and Paul, this is a problem. This is what's happening. I'm going to listen to him more because I have that relationship with him. I have that solid connection. He knows how, what to say to me to get me to be able to help myself and fix my problems. Like, he knows what to say to me. So he understands that because we've had that solid relationship for a long time. So... I think that's important. You have to have that connection. Yep. True. You want to add to that one? Um, I think if I was telling someone one of my issues, 
I'm not sure how like in depth I would tell them whatever it is. But if they're telling me something, I'm likely to like nod and be like, yeah, that's so true. But if, even if I'm disagreeing with them, because I don't know them, and I often do not disagree with people I do not know. I, I'm not sure why. I'm actually the opposite with people I do know. If I disagree with them, I will tell them. And so if Paul came up to me and he's telling me something, and I'm like, mm-mm, that's not right. I don't, I'm not agreeing with that. I will fight him on it. I'm like, I will listen to him, and I'll oftentimes be swayed. But <laughs> I do often start out uh, with a pushback because, I don't know, I just, I know you and yeah. it's easier to trust. push back. Yeah. yeah. She trusts that person enough to push back. And on the moments where she's not swayed, then she'll come back to me later when she learns I was right. <laughs> that is not true. <laughs> right, Mel? Um, okay. Uh, for sake of time, I'm going to skip you guys on this question. So um, the next kind of topic that I want to... Don't worry, I'll ask you more questions. It's okay. Um, the next kind of area I want to talk about is, is God, faith, and church. Um, uh, uh, here's a few statistics. is 58% of U.S. teens in U.S. and Canada are really, really similar. Would identify as some form of Christian, whether it's Catholic, Christian, whatever. Some form. Um, 16% of that 60% uh, has not attended church in the last six months. 80% of all teens read the Bible once a month or less, or once a month, less than once a month or not at all. Which is, is probably not shocking to everybody because as I, as I talk to teens, as um, to these guys and to other teens, um, even most of us in this room, like let's be honest, if I asked you how often do you read the Bible, a lot of us, our answer is going to be not enough. Right? Because fact of life. Um, so I'm going to ask you guys, so how often do you and your friend group talk about God or faith? So honestly, we barely ever talk about it. But I also know that their stand views and everything, so their families may be Christian, and most of them are, but they only choose to go to church because they're actually forced to so they also have like the aspect of church is kind of bad because it's something they're forced to do and they're not willing to do it. Um, like 20% of the friends I have aren't from the church. So like the 10 that aren't from here are, uh, if they ever talked about it, like I'm confident in my faith and I'm happy to talk about it at any time, regardless if they accept it or not, because I know that if they don't accept what I have, like what my faith is and what I believe, I'm not afraid that they might leave because that to me just means that, oh, okay, I don't need them then because if they're worried about that, then what's the point of being friends with them? Yeah. So, yeah. Just for the record, the Krawchuk boys are super confident in themselves. They have pretty awesome parents don't really have much friends outside of the church at all. Mostly just friends from our old youth, from this youth, from church. Um, our martial art club has a couple people that are, has one family that's atheist, but the one girl got brought to youth once, and she's open. If It's mostly if we have a friend and they know that we're Christian, then 
I'll give hints to like, hey, this is, this is the church. This is this. And if they like ask questions, then I'll, I'll answer. I'm not the kind of guy who's going like, to go up and ask, like, hey, come to church. If I feel the need and see that they need something from the church, I'll ask them, like, hey, you, you can come to church if you want. Yeah. But it's not, not really something that it is portrayed out yeah. most of the time. Yeah, so very, it's, it's very little. Uh, and, and there's a few things that are really important to remember uh, about young people in faith. The first one is they have to trust you, which we talked about. The second one is community will trump commitment every time. And, and as, the, as older generations, and, and this may shock you and it may push into a mindset, um, but I'm actually really hoping to get a bunch of you thinking, um, we have got to stop using the phrase because the Bible says when we're having a conversation with a young person or trying to prove a point. And I'm going to talk about that more in a second. But they have to trust you. We already talked about that. Community will trump commitment. If a teen makes a decision to follow Jesus, but they do not have a safe community of people to walk with, with, with them, encourage them and help them, to help them to figure out what they believe, then it's only a matter of time until they give up and they stop coming to church and give up on, on their faith. And here's the last one that I want to highlight. We have to stop using the phrase. <laughs> Everyone's like, did he just say that? Because the Bible says, and here's why, this generation is post-Christian. They did not grow up with the principles and the morals in the Bible, most of them, right? If I got up here on a Sunday morning and started preaching from the Quran or from a book about Disney, most of you would get angry, you would email Chris, and you would complain, right? Why? Because you don't believe the principles in those books, and so for the generation that's not raised with the Bible, the principles and the morals in that book are just the same as the ones in the Quran or the ones on YouTube or the ones in, right? It's just one more book of information for them. And so when, when we say the Bible says this without relationship and without any of the other stuff, then they go, well, it's just a book, right? And that's... That's the reality of what's happening in this post-Christian generation, in this post-Christian world. Um, and so I honestly, again, going back to how we respond, I personally think that's an awesome thing. Because if you can explain your faith, you can explain your faith, right? Right? It's, it's the same thing as if I'm talking to Gabe and I'm like, hey, you know what? Uh, Jesus died for you because it says it in the Bible, as opposed to, hey, Gabe, uh, when I was 21, I encountered Jesus. And, and it's been a rough life, and there's been a lot of different things, but there's also been a lot of joy and excitement and, and cool things. And you know what? But you know what? I encountered Jesus, and I would not change anything ever because of my encounter with Jesus. And so approaching the conversation from a different perspective actually makes us stop and actually have to examine and think, what do you actually believe? And so, like, if you say, I believe this because, you know, your parents told you or whatever, um, being able to explain why you really believe it is super important, especially for the younger generation. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so 
there's a very big difference on how we, and again, it's the culture is shifting, so we have to change our perspective and how we approach things. Um, and so it, that's really, really, really important. Um, and, and here's why. Because kind of what Gabe mentioned earlier, when we talk to a teenager, what they want and value is, number one, they want to know that you care about them. Second, they want to know that, you, that they can trust you. And then they want to know that you are a safe place. They can hear your story and bring their, quest, their questions and opinions to wrestle through and figure out what they believe. They need space to do that. You can't tell them what to believe. They need to figure out for themselves. First um, Samuel 3 paints a really good picture of this uh, uh, in the relationship between Eli and Samuel. In verse 2 it says, One night Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you. Uh, Go back to bed. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know, and this is critical, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again, and if someone calls you again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Eli did two amazing things here that I believe are super relevant for this generation. Number one, he was available. He, even in the middle of the night, when most of you would spank your kids and send them back to bed. Just kidding. That was my childhood. Um, Even in the middle of the night. Love you, Mom. Um, Even in the middle of the night, when Samuel should have been sleeping, Eli was available and there. And the second thing he did was rather than taking control and telling Samuel to go back to sleep because he was being disobedient or getting up and going to the altar and saying, okay, God, speak to me and I'll tell Samuel what you said. He actually uh, gave Samuel the space to hear from God directly. Um, Church connection and engagement has been declining for a very long time in North America and Gen Z is no exception. But the cool thing is... Unlike my generation, they're not mad at God. They just are apathetic. They, they, they don't value God, faith, and church. Um, and that is honestly actually good news because it means they're more open to God. This generation is more open to being invited to church or to youth or to a Christian event um, because they're not mad at the church. My generation, Chris's generation, went to Hell's Gates and Heaven's Flames. Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. <laughs> got saved, and then someone in the church hurt them, and they got mad at the church and got and left. My generation, I don't know what happened. But so many people left the church um, because they got hurt. Um, and so our generations were mad at God because of the church. Um, And this generation never went to church, so they are more open to it. Um, And so here's the question I want 
some of you to answer. How could we as the older generation help those in our lives who are younger to grow in their faith and help get rid of the stigma, let's start over here, around Christianity? Um, one for me would be just being a good influence, being nice, being generous, and just bringing positive feeling around as tweens. And so we wonder, like, where does that energy and positivity come from? Like, where in the world does that come from? It doesn't come from the world. It comes from a higher power. So just being such a light and such a positive energy that we're like, wow, that is amazing. And then also not preaching, like, don't come hardcore preaching into our life because that's just going to, we're just going to shut you down. We're just going to lock down. Yeah. And it's also really creepy. Uh, so, <laughs> like... Yeah, before you know us, don't like just come in and be like, well, this is what the Bible says and blah, blah, blah. Like it's, we're going to be like, okay, that's cool. Bye. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I wrote this down. Uh, a little bit different. We have it pretty easy, but we have different challenges than most of you guys did a while ago. There's more cyberbullying. Instead of just normal school bullying, there's cyber. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, there's more scams and hacks all around, which we need to be careful careful of. Um, lots of teens are confused about gender and who they are. So you need to take all those into account about teens or Gen Z and try and not offend them. You have to be really careful <laughs> with Gen Z, even though we're putting them into a box, apparently. <laughs> Case in point, everyone's different and unique. Um, so we need to take everything that is now in the world and put that into account. And with kids and teenagers growing up, and some of them, some teens don't have that strong parenthood, they're going to be more confused about who they are, what's going on, and they need just friends. They need for like elders here, they need someone who like knows what is going on as they grow up, and they need that friendship, but it takes time to grow that relationship with them. You can't just walk up and have a deep conversation if you don't have, if you haven't ever said hi and have a smile. If you have a smile, that will make the teen very comfortable. If you come up and you're just like, Gah! with much words, that's gonna, you can still with the smile, it's nice. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just the, the, the community side of it yeah. is there needs to be that connection. Yeah. Communication ultimately. is needed yeah. a lot before you go into something deep. Totally. Okay, uh, for sake of time, Janiah, and then I'm gonna move on. Okay, sounds good. So um, I feel like I need that solid platform back here that I can come back to and trust you guys and, and have that community with you guys at the church here. So that when I go to school, I know who I am and I know who I am as a person in the church, right? So if yeah. I can have that solid connection with you guys here, then I can go out and I can do all this crazy stuff that I would never do if I didn't have that platform here that I can. So I think that like connection between me and Cam. So if, if me and Cam have this connection, then I can come back to him and I can trust him and I can talk to him. And then I can go out and do all this other stuff that I never would if I didn't have that connection with him. So... The relationship between me and Cam and Chris and Jen and Natalia and all of you guys, that's really important, at least to me, because then I know I have someone that I can come back to and I can trust. Yeah. So that relationship and that trust and that platform is very important for breaking down the stigma. So. Yeah. 
It's true. Um, okay, so as we close here, I want to end with a very practical encouragement and reminder for everyone in this room and everyone watching online. Um, because all of us, and, and Caleb kind of mentioned it, we are called to influence and be light to the people around us, Christians and non-Christians. Uh, we're called to be light to everyone around us. Um, and, and as I kind of look around the room and see all the incredible uh, people in here who are doing so many things to invest in other people, and especially those younger than them, this is a reminder and an encouragement to keep going. Continue to be intentional because what you do matters. Even when it feels useless, even when it feels like you're not making a difference, what you do matters when you just show up in the lives of someone younger. Um, I can't like give you a top five list of things you should go in and do this week to help you know invest in the next generation. We're all learning, we're all failing and trying and celebrating and making mistakes together. But here's the thing, I'm grateful for a Holy Spirit who can speak to every single one of us and give us wisdom, clarity, and direction in how to respond and how to show up in the lives of those around us, right? And, and we're all in different seasons of life. So if you have a young family, maybe this season investing in your kids and your kids' friends is what God is calling you to in this season. Or if you're a little bit older in life and this season God has you investing in parents who have teenagers or have uh, uh, kids or maybe investing in younger adults, um, maybe you're in a season where you can invest in your friend's kids, right? We're all doing all these things as we go through life anyways. Um, and, and what we do is dependent, what God's calling us to do is dependent on the season of life that we're in. And so whatever your season looks like and God is telling you to do, continue to be faithful. And, and then maybe if you feel like you're not doing anything or you're not doing enough and want to do, and want to do more, ask God to open some doors, and look for opportunities to serve and help and invest, even in one other person's life. Um, so just to end off here, um, I'm going to ask uh, Heidi and Janaya and Lyra this last question. If you could sit down one-on-one -on -one with every single person in this room uh, or watching online and give them one piece of advice on how they can connect with your generation, what would you say to them? Okay, so like, I believe the huge thing is you've got to stop comparing it to how you guys had it to how we have it now. You, like, I feel like a bunch of the times people say that we have it easier, which is true in some ways, but in many other ways it's also a lot harder. As Isaac was saying, like, you had bullying, we had cyberbullying, which is also a lot harder to catch like, if you're a parent or something. So it's, it's easier, but it's also a lot harder. So like, if someone compared stuff to when they were a kid to us now, it would make it a bit more difficult for me to build a relationship with them because they're just constantly comparing. Like if you told me like part of your life story, then that's a bit different because you're not comparing how we have it. Yeah. Yeah, so just showing up and being a friend. Um, so Caleb mostly touched on this one earlier as well, but it was like my first thought, and I, I said this last service, is how spiritual you are. Um, sometimes it can make us uncomfortable when you're like, oh, let me pray for you. And you're like, I just see so much anointing, anointing in you. And sometimes it can just, not always for me like personally, but I, I see it in other people. It can make you uncomfortable and you're like, okay, this is creepy. <laughs> what are, who are they talking to right now? God, save him. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, and, and to just to add to that point, is that's a brutal truth. Right? If we, you know, don't know a teenager and you walk up to them and start praying over them in tongues, you're probably going to scare them. Right? A lot of Gen Z is not leaving the church because they're mad at the church. They're, 
They're leaving the church because the churches are not talking about what they want to talk about and the issues that they have in their life, right? Sometimes a teenager just wants to talk about a conversation they had at school about gender, and we're like, shut up, right? Like, <laughs> it, it's, it's those moments listening to the Holy Spirit and making the call in the moment, whether to be, I'm going to be your friend right now and let you just listen, um, or you know what, actually, okay, now that you've listened, now that we've talked, now can I pray for you? Right? And so it's just being wise in the moment of how we handle those situations rather than scaring them. <laughs> okay, Heidi. Um, yeah, just like how we could connect with the older generation um, would be uh, kind of what all these guys said. But yeah, like for me, it's just connection and trust is just like really important. So yeah, create a relationship first. And then, yeah, like Paul said, then you can pray. Yeah. Awesome. Relationships take time. It's not a one-day thing. It's something you have to build over the course of a period of time, right? It's not just going to be like, I come up to me after the service, have a conversation, and boom, that's it. It's not that simple. You kind of got to build it over time, right? So it's not something that's one day. Don't rush it. It's easy to push us away. It takes time. Yeah, they're bombarded with so much, right? On their phones, bombardment, uh, social media, bombardment. And so it's, uh, I did, I just used that in a sentence. Um, uh, and so it's, it's learning to take the time to build the relationship and speak into their life. All right, Pastor Chris. Let's put out that picture one more time. Oh, please. Right, Sean? You had a mullet, too. I know you did. Right? Listening to the rock and roll music and, right? Those were the days. You know, one thing that's awesome is... Uh, I'm just thinking back, like, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, and all this stuff, right? I don't, I don't know if it worked today. I honestly don't. They would do it way different. But I can tell you the one thing that hasn't changed from then to now, it's Jesus. It's the same Jesus. It's the same Holy Spirit, right? And that encounter is the very thing that needs to be the initial point for everybody, is they have to meet him. Information doesn't change people. The encounter with Jesus Christ. And then we need to pray that the word is made known to them, Right? That's what we need to pray. We need to pray that over ourselves because we know the power in the word and there is such a spiritual battle over the word and we need to be declaring the word of God over ourselves and over the younger generation. There's no question about it and praying that there will be a reception to the word of God because the thing that, it is true, like I, I've never experienced the onslaught from you know, what culture is teaching. I didn't go through that as a kid in the school. Right? It was never talked about. Today it is being talked about, you know, whether it's the gender stuff, whether it's faith and the Bible's hate literature. I mean, can you imagine some of the stuff that's being pushed over top of them? So we're coming into this and we're having to break all those walls, you know, all those lies and deceptions. But it does come with what these guys are saying is God teach us out of relationship. Not just with the younger generation, but relationship with all those outside of the church and inside the church. Because it really does come down to that, right? And I shared in the first service that, you know, we've been talking uh, with our districts and that about evangelism, you know, and, and they've talked about the heavens, gates, hells, flames, and all this stuff, and there's a reason you don't see it happening in the church. But it comes back down to this, relationship. As the body of Christ, are we actually willing to go to that place and have relationship with people? Let's stand to our feet. We need to pray 
for this generation, right? We got to pray in the first service. We're going to pray again now because it's just so vital and important because we know there is a battle, not just for our souls, but for their souls. And sometimes we get so caught in what we're doing, we forget to pray for you guys, to focus on your journey, your, your battles, the things you're, you're, that are going on in your lives. And I, I think our body would say this. We see you. We, we see the issues. We realize they're different, right? And we believe you're going to overcome them. We believe you're going to get through them. And we are here for you, right? We are. Trust this. Our heart motive isn't just for you to do what we do. Sometimes it's our fear that you're going to make the wrong choices and decisions. So we push things one way. But our heart is this, that you guys would do well, that you would have favor with the Lord, that you would have successful lives. It's not to bully you. It's not to pressure you. It's not to force you. It's so that you will live well. Right? That's the heart motive. And we're going to have grace on you because you're going to make mistakes, but I'm going to ask you the same thing. Have grace on us because we're going to make mistakes too. Right? But I'll tell you whose fault it isn't. It's not his fault. So we don't turn our backs on God because we've had a bad experience with an individual. It was never his fault. He is the one who does have your backs, right? He does. So Jen's going to come up. She's going to pray over these guys, and we're going to join in with her. Thank you very much. It was so good to hear from you all. I, um, I'm a 20-question woman, so I, I had 20 more questions for you once you answered your questions. So, But it was so good to hear your hearts and hear who you are and hear what you need um, and to just get a sense of what we're doing well and what we're actually not really doing very well. And so the first thing that I want to do is just say, forgive us for where we have um, been ignorant and also where we've led you out of fear, like Pastor Chris talked about. Forgive us where um, that fear has led to control. And um, I'm just going to confess right now that we're going to let go of that fear and we're going to choose to lead you in love and in awareness of who you are and what your call is as a generation. We really love you and we really bless you. Um, thank you, Pastor Paul. You are so amazing. Thank you for leading them so well. And you know what? He's contending for them. Like, this was kind of a little bit hard to hear some of this. And that you just pushed a little bit and said, please see, please understand, let's be family better. So thank you for what you're doing. Paul has a lot on his plate, but he's doing it very, very well. Um, The Lord is on him. The Lord is on you. So I bless you. So Lord, um, your children are so beautiful. Just watching them, hearing their conversations, hearing their hearts, hearing their challenges, hearing their pain. Um, The two things that are standing out to me is how vulnerable they are and how strong they are. And so we as a body today agree that we will cover them in their vulnerability, that we're going to cover them in the love of God, in the grace of God, 
in the wisdom of God, in the knowledge of God, in the truth of God, in the mercy of God. Lord, I pray that even now you would just pour out blessings from heaven over each and every youth and young adult that come to our hearts and our mind today, Lord. I pray that um, you'd give us the wisdom to know how to go into the enemy's camp and take back what's been stolen from them. And that we would be the ones that would just lay down our lives so that they can know you and love you and receive love from you. Thank you for their strength, God. I feel like um, when you knit together this generation in their, in their mother's wombs, you did something really, really special. Um, and I think that Pastor Paul is right. Ten years from now, it's not even going to look the same. And so, God, we just pull on their strength and we bless it. We will not be intimidated by it. We will not try to crush it. We will allow ourselves to join with their strength and cover it. We'll link arms with them. We'll choose to be vulnerable with them rather than try to dominate them. We will choose humility so that they can walk in strength in a place of safety. Lord, I thank you that um, this generation will face their challenges with the strength of heaven and that when it comes to the love of God, nothing can separate them. Nothing can tear down that strength when it's been deposited from heaven. And so we bless their vulnerabilities and we bless their strengths and we ask God that you teach us how to be a family, a family that knows and understands one another well and walks in love. Thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, bless you guys. I, I talked to Gabe after the first service, and I said, you seem so confident up there, right? And he said, oh, I was shaking, <laughs> right? And it doesn't even look like it. And the fear that, uh, you know, comes with public speaking, these guys did an awesome job, so give them a hand. Yeah. So we bless you as a church, uh, and we bless you guys online. I know Angie and Jacob, you guys watch every week. We just, as a church right now, we want to bless you guys as well. We want to bless you in everything you do, everything that's going on in your life and your journey. But a blessing over each of you now as you leave this church. May God be with you in Jesus' name. Amen. And someone is behind me. Right you can hear me? Okay. Um, I just wanted to say I was not nervous at all to speak in front of you guys. I would be to speak in front of my class because you're my family and I love you. I feel so welcome here and I swear you're the only reason why I come back. I'm struggling on my path right now, but I love this family. Well, we're going to say goodbye to those online right now. Bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.